Welcome to the Wolverine Digest podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breitler. Well, well, well. It is Friday. You ain't got no job, and you ain't got shit to do. Well, we got a little bit to do. Some stuff. We got a little bit to do. Before we get into any of that, before we get into any of that, yes, can we sir? talk about how good I look right now in, in this lighting? I mean, All right. Let me, let me take the music down for this. Everybody, Chris is very excited that he has better lighting than me tonight, and it's been an ongoing thing since we Look started. at the complexion. Look at the complexion here. I look like I just came from the beach. It's pretty good. <laughs> Looking like Daryl Sheets over there, dude. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm about to bid on a storage locker. Oh man! All right. Well, glad a few of you are hanging in there with us. It is a later a later go by quite a bit. We drove ourselves to Madison. We're, well, we're just outside of Madison. We got about 20 minutes into into a uh, campus area tomorrow before we get to Camp Randall, and we're really both of us, man, really looking forward to that. I asked the question on Twitter, Chris. You can jump in here. I think I know the answer, but I just asked, you know, as is Camp Randall a bucket list type of stadium for people? And it seems pretty resounding that it is. I mean, it's it's definitely in the discussion for a lot of people. No, well, yeah, it's it's jump around, right? I think that's what everybody wants to see. And that 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 for me is like I told you, like no matter what happens tomorrow, I cannot miss when 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 that goes down. So yeah, it's a special place. I think it's it's one of the older is it was it one of the oldest? I know it's one of the oldest stadiums, it's but really it might old. be the oldest stadium in the big town. It's been around for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that celebration is certainly one of the most special ones that you'll see in college football. And I'm excited to see it. Hopefully it lives up to the expectation. Yeah, I just want to start by saying go blue. <laughs> Let's say it. Let's say it. Tomorrow, Michigan takes on Wisconsin, 11 o'clock local time. That's kind of weird to even say. Noon, obviously, yeah. back to people in Michigan. Um, I'm worried about this one. I am. I think a lot of people are. I think the reasons are pretty obvious, and we're going to find out in a hurry exactly what Michigan is made of. It's going to be... I don't know what it's going to be. I think that's where the big discussion is. Is It's like we know what Michigan would like to do. They'd like to run the ball a whole bunch because that's what they did for four weeks. But Wisconsin's not having that. They've given up 68 yards yeah. through three games. Um, you, myself, both interns, Josh and Jacob, all picked Michigan to lose a close game, all of us, I think, within seven or ten points. Um I, you know, I guess we'll just start right there. Why? Why? Why are all of us thinking it's going to be a close loss? Even, you know, two guys like us who clearly hate Michigan, we hear it all the time, anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. two kids who are right hey, for the lump, don't lump me into into, yeah. into your Twitter yeah, mess there. Don't pull me into that. And then two kids who are writing for the daily and helping out with the website and currently going to the University of the University of Michigan think yeah. it's going to be a, a close loss. And I think a lot of it is Jim Harbaugh's track record. A lot of it is what we saw last week against Rutgers. I just, I don't know. I, I mean, and I said this last year too. I said, I'm just, I'm not picking them until they show me that there's there's something different there. And so far this year, they're 4-0. They're number 14. They're ranked much higher than Wisconsin. Wisconsin not ranked in the game, but Michigan, see is, that a, coming. Michigan is a two-point dog. I don't know. 
floor is yours, man. Tell us all why we picked what we picked. Well, I know I picked it because that, that that's what I picked in the preseason. I mean, I've I've had this one as a loss for Michigan long before the season even began for, you know, a lot of the reasons that we talked about leading up to it. It's a long time since Michigan's won up there. It's a really tough environment. Cade McNamara has never played in a road environment, you know, much less anything like what he's going to see in Camp Randall. So I just think, uh, you know, given given all of those things and then you put on top of that, um, sort of what the makeup of the Michigan football team is, what their identity is, smash mouth. They want to run the football and that's all fine and good when it's working. It's, it's when it stops working against a team like Rutgers that you start to get concerned a little bit when you're going up against the number one rushing defense in the country tomorrow. And that's what they're going to see. And so the bottom line is they're going to have to throw the ball. And I think the fact that it's, it's pretty apparent to everybody at this point that they're going to have to throw the ball. I think that leads a lot of people to feel skeptical because you still haven't seen it. You're you're, it's we're now entering week five and we don't know if Michigan can throw the ball. And so I think a lot of people are are still pretty skeptical. Yeah, I think that's very fair. I want to put this point up there because this is something I feel like is getting thrown around quite a bit. Wisconsin isn't that good though. Based on what? Michigan's better than what they portrayed last week. I think Wisconsin is is better than what they showed last week for sure. I mean, the you know the Penn State game that's a close loss. I think what was it, sixteen to ten in Camp Randall. So that's a that's a home loss against a Penn State team that's not like a world beater. But they're they're undefeated. They're number four in the country. I mean, they're obviously sitting in a great spot. Last week, Wisconsin had the lead against Notre Dame in the fourth quarter. Uh, that score is as 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 lopsided as I've ever seen in one quarter of play. Yeah. Wisconsin took the lead 13 to 10. The very next kickoff, Notre Dame runs it back for a touchdown. So it's 17 13. And then Graham Mertz proceeds to throw three interceptions, two that went back for touchdowns, one that wasn't his fault at all, one that was kind of a desperation late outside throw, not a good throw at all. But at that point in the game, he's just forcing it. I mean, yeah. look, th- this is still Wisconsin at home with a good offensive line more talented players than Rutgers and the number one rush defense in the country. Uh, they, they've played Notre Dame and Penn State, and they've given up 68 yards total on the ground. It's not yeah. like they were doing that against Delaware and Youngstown State and Western Michigan and Northern Illinois. They've played two of the top 10 teams in the country right now and still haven't given up 70 yards on the ground. That's crazy. And I think right. when you start to talk about the things that Michigan's going to see in Camp Randall tomorrow for the first time, specifically Cade McNamara for the first time, it just feels like a bad matchup. It just feels like a bad matchup, and like Michigan's got a lot to overcome to get a, to get a win. I I feel like the the phrase "recipe for disaster" gets overused. I do feel like this this Michigan team versus this Wisconsin team is a recipe for disaster. Look at what Michigan's good at. Look at what Wisconsin is good at. And when you put the two together, it just it, it doesn't seem like it's going to spell good things for Michigan. But you know we'll find out. And we've we've admitted this. Like we talked about it on the drive up. Like you know you think about what what the feeling is going to be after that game. And mm-hmm. I mean if Michigan goes out and and they run the ball or they come out and they throw the ball all over the field, like I'm happy to eat crow. Like I've spent the last two, three weeks, you know, hammering the table that you got to throw the ball more. You got to throw the ball more with all of these concerns. And if Michigan goes out and proves they can do it, then I guess it means guys like you and I don't really know what the hell we're talking about. And, and, and clearly there's a reason why they're in the position they're in. So we should just kind of, you know, 
shut it and, and let them do their work. But I just, I don't see that happening, man. The idea that Michigan's going to go out and run all over the number one defense in the country or throw the ball all over the field with Cade McNamara, both of those scenarios just seem highly improbable to me. Yeah. And Rob, I'm going to th keep throwing your comments up here because I think they're good talking points, but I just, you say that Michigan has very good wide receivers. How do you know? Like, is it the, is it the one reception per game that's telling you that? For some of these guys, is it the but full, I, you know, full disclosure? I, we we agree with him. We agree that they have tremendous I talent. Skilled. I think they're talented. Right. I think they're versatile. I think they're fast. That doesn't necessarily mean overly productive or really really good or can okay. win in a place like Wisconsin tomorrow. That there's a difference, I think, in those two those two statements. And Here's as far as Wisconsin secondary is concerned, Jim Harbaugh seemed very worried about that. They've got two fifth year and two sixth year guys back there played a ton of football. They're probably not NFL guys. They're not super, super elite or super athletic, but they're not going to make mistakes. And that D line and those linebackers are going to put pressure on Cade. They're going to stop the run. That's what they do. I, I just, again, I I'm with you. I, I think that if you, uh, here's the deal. I would feel much, much better about where these wide receivers were right now if they had been brought along through the first four weeks. I was just going to say, you know, I think this is a fair question for Rob. If, if it's a tight game tomorrow in the fourth quarter and Michigan needs to move the ball down the field through the air, who are the two go-to targets for Cade McNamara? I, and and that's a question for Rob. Who are they right now? Who we've we've I, asked this question to I think, each other I think, many times. I think Cornelius is probably an easy default, right? Because he he's got the size and he's got you know he's sort of the easy choice. But who do you go to after that? Like I, there is not. They don't have a proven receiver that's available for them on the roster yet, especially in a game that, you know, yeah, you can talk about what Cornelius did against Rutgers last year, but look at what Cade did. We we talked about this too. The Cade McNamara that we saw against Rutgers in 2020 versus the Cade McNamara against Rutgers we saw in 2021, they aren't the same quarterback. Like it just looked completely different. Last year, he was throwing the damn ball all over the field. He engineered a tremendous comeback. This year, he just he looked completely uncomfortable, and so yeah, I don't know, man. It's anybody's guess, but yeah, you tell me when it gets tight. Who's Cade McNamara going to get the ball to? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think mean, it's Cornelius, it's, but it's uh, you know, maybe AJ Henning, maybe Roman Wilson, maybe Mike Sainer. I don't. So. Think you can, I don't think you can see the the answers he's put, putting up here, but he says Cornelius Johnson, then Eric All, then Mike Sainer. Still, I I just. You know, Eric, none of these guys have had more than three receptions in a single game all year. You know, Cornelius Johnson has eight catches on the year. Eric all has six. Mike Sanders still has three through four games. That's I'm just, that's, I'm, that's, you're averaging less than two receptions a game, right? I mean, Mike Sanders still literally has less than a catch a game. How is, how can you possibly say that's a go-to guy? Eric all has four catches. I'm sorry, four games, six catches. It's a catch and a half a game. That's that's not a go-to guy. Those aren't right. That's not go-to. Right. And look, exactly. I like Eric All's skill set. I think he could be really good when he runs up the seam and Kate hits him in stride. It's it's a beautiful thing. But we've seen that one time approximately. You know, you've got. I I, I just I'm 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 not trying to I'm not trying to rain on on all the parades here. I think there is potential there, but I'm concerned about just being able to flip the switch and turn it on. When they clearly couldn't last week against Rutgers, who's nowhere near as good as Wisconsin on defense, and it was at home. I, I just I, I have a lot of concerns for what Michigan's going to be able to do with the ball. I, I think you know you, you need to get back to you know 
trying to press the edges, get some guys out in space, get some jet sweep action going, fake that yeah. jet sweep action. You know, the true RPO stuff where Cade actually can make a read and keep it if their DN crashes down. Like all these things that seem like they're built in and part of the offense that we didn't see against Rutgers need to be readily available against Wisconsin. Well, and, and I think sometimes that's the misconception is that people think, well, you know, the, you want this to be an air raid offense and that's not what it's going to be. No, but there's things that Cade McNamara can do with the ball, with the receivers that doesn't include, you know, 50 yard bombs down the field. I mean, you know, get it. These guys are are specifically seem like they're built. They're the shorter, faster, quicker guys like the AJ Henning, the Roman Wilson, the Mike Sainer still get them the ball in the flat, get them the ball on a quick slant, get them the ball where where they have a little bit of space to make something happen. You don't always have to try to get over the top and stretch the field, but you got to find a way to put the ball in their hands. Like it just, look, we talked about this a lot. They were clearly struggling against Michigan and they had weaponry on the sideline and they had, and they just didn't against use Rutgers. it. And, and yeah. it, or, or, that's right. Against Rutgers. And it doesn't make any sense. Like you've got these things, you recruited it for a reason, use it, especially when you need it. Yeah, um, throw another point up here, and I'm sorry, Christian. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not trying to say this to to attack you personally, but I, if I never heard this excuse again, it wouldn't be. It would be too soon. I, I mean, to think that Michigan is sitting on some secret playbook. I mean, what's it go back six years? I mean, Jim Harbaugh has been the head coach for seven seasons now. This is his seventh season. Where is this secret playbook? These 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 pages of the playbook that they're just waiting to unleash. I, I I don't, I've never seen any semblance of it. I mean, good God, man. When did you need it? You needed it last week. Where was it last week? You know, when Michigan's hanging on by a thread and, you know, gets a fumble at the end of the game where Rutgers is going on to maybe try to tie that game in the fourth quarter. I mean, I, I just, I just don't buy the waiting to, uh, waiting to open up the whole playbook thing. I mean, there might be a play here and there that you haven't used yet, or you install something new that you just didn't have time to get to so far. I mean, the season's long. You're constantly putting in new things. You're looking at new matchups. How can you, how can you exploit the defense you're playing? But as far as having some secret section of the playbook that they're waiting to use when they absolutely need it, I, I, there's no way I believe that. There's just no way. Uh, yeah, we, we talked about this on the car, right? Too. Like, I mean, why, you know, there has been so many opportunities where if there was something special in the works that you would have thought you would have seen it, not just this year, but I mean, over the last six years. And I think, I think people go to that because it's easier to believe that there's something extra there that they're holding back than to believe that there's a problem and to believe that there's an issue. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's one or the other. I'm not saying that there's a problem in an, or an issue or, or that there isn't. I'm just saying that this idea that <laughs> there's some special playbook that, that Jim Harbaugh is saving for November 27th against Ohio state. I just, you know, I don't know. I, it's weird to me that people believe that. Yeah. It's, it's something that gets brought up all the time. I mean, Michigan's playing these, you know, these inferior teams winning and then a good team's coming up and they're like, now we get to see the playbook. And I'm just like, no, like they've been working on stuff all year. You got to try to work those things in and get live game reps and go against a team that has no idea what you're doing. I, I right. it just doesn't work that way. And like I said, name a game in the last six years where Jim Harbaugh has just unleashed new stuff that we've never seen before. Right. Where you saw, you saw the playbook opened all the way up. Like, like that was what we talked about on the car ride. That was it. Yeah. it. It was, it was, have we seen it? Have we seen the playbook open yet? And if we have, 
then it's pretty concerning based on what we've seen so far. If the playbook hasn't been opened yet, then why in God's name hasn't it been? Because Lord knows Michigan's been needed time for it yeah. right, over the last six years. So I think that right there proves that there's not something special there that's that's you know in hiding, <laughs> waiting to come out. You're just you're kind of seeing it. <laughs> what is this? Like? Michigan throwing on first down would be a new play. Yeah. Well, hey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that would be a change in approach. And Dude, we're like crossing our fingers for like 25 attempts. Like forget completions. Yeah. Just give me 25 attempts. Yeah, that would be a change in approach and a, a philosophy and scheme. Uh, not necessarily. No, I know. I, I'm pretty sure Zach was being a little bit funny there, but it's true. Like Michigan offense, Michigan's offense feels pretty predictable and pretty unimaginative a lot. And that needs to change. That needs to change tomorrow in order for Michigan or, to beat this team or they're going to go out and do it exactly the way they want to do it and like i said guys like you and i are going to eat crow and, and michigan is going to be for real like that's the thing like i we we talked about how you know we thought it was going to be washington but it's not washington like everything we thought the washington game was going to represent is now what the wisconsin game represent we're going to find out is the michigan rushing attack for real can they pass the ball if they need to and, and, you know, you've heard a lot of this talk about how, like, it's it's only a big game if Michigan loses it. And I think we've harped on it enough this season or this week that either way you cut it, this is a big game for Michigan. It's a game that Huge they typically game. lose with Jim Harbaugh at the helm. If they come out with a W, either way it looks, whether it's close, big, blowout, whatever, th this is a win that they need to get. And it would be a huge win for the program. Yeah, I don't I don't care one bit if if Wisconsin's not ranked, if they're one and two, if like, this is a big, big game. And can I ask you this question since we're on the topic? It's juicy. Let's, yeah. Let's have it. What's, I thought what's you just more, got real excited right there. What's more, what's more impactful for Michigan? What, what would, what would be, what would cause more of an impact a win against Wisconsin or a loss against Wisconsin? I what do you think impacts the program more? I think it's a win because a loss, I feel like people are just going to be like, well, same, same old. I mean, but nothing you don't think it sends, you don't think a loss on Saturday, the first real legitimate game, you know, that they're going into opponent that they're going to face. If they drop that, you don't think it sends, like we talked about it. I think a loss tomorrow sends this, you know how this fan base is anyway. I think it feels like it already feels to me. So, so you're, you're, you subscribe to the idea that people are just kind of numb to it and they'll be, well, same old, same old, same old. I don't know about numb to it. I just feel like it doesn't change any narrative. It's like, okay, yeah. 0 12 just became 0 13, losing to okay. a road, losing on the road as an underdog. Yeah. Like, it's just business as usual. I mean, I've been, I, I thought Washington would be better. I thought that game would be really tough. And preseason, I had that as, I had that circled as a loss. Once the yeah. game started, and I watched Washington play and I watched Michigan play and I talked to some people who cover Washington day in and day out. My pregame prediction was a Michigan win. And that's what happened. Then they won by a lot more than I thought. But this Wisconsin game, this is all of those all those boxes are checked that Michigan just has not been able to to win under yeah. Jim Harbaugh. The on the road, the you know, team with a pulse, the underdog. I know they're not ranked, but they, you know, Wisconsin feels like a ranked team when they're not this, ranked. I'm telling just, you, that one and two record is I think that's messing with a lot of people's heads and how they view this game and how they view Wisconsin. Wisconsin, they might be one and two, but this is not a one and two football team or football program. If, if that makes any sense, you're, you're just going to get a better effort out of this team tomorrow than one and two. And I think a lot of Michigan fans that think this is going to be relatively easy for the Wolverines are going to be in for a rude awakening. 
Yeah. Well, I'm going to throw this up right now. It's going to kind of wait till the end, but I think we're kind of getting to the point right now. And me and Chris have both talked about it. I just put this story up. You guys can go check it out at WolverineDigest.com with a breakdown from me, from Chris, from both of our interns, Josh and Jacob, and what we all picked. Uh, Rob, to answer your question, no, I don't. I have Michigan losing 24 to 20. I think it's going to be a close game. I think Michigan's going to try to do what they've done for the first four weeks, and it's not going to work that well, run the ball. And I think if they have to change suddenly and hope that a switch can be flipped, there isn't a switch to be flipped because there wasn't against Rutgers, and Wisconsin is better than Rutgers. That's that's how I see it going. Um, you know, On the road for the first time, it, what was the number? All the teams in the entire country, there's only seven that haven't played on the road yet. Right, and I Michigan. Think I think it's five, isn't it? Five, five or seven. I don't know. Yeah, it's so, not many. You know, this first road test at a place like Camp Randall, that defense that takes away everything Michigan wants to do. And again, if Jim Harbaugh and Josh Gaddis and Matt Weiss have the utmost confidence in Cade McNamara, and they truly think that he makes everyone around him better, they have done a terrible job of putting that on display. Terrible, and that's on them. And it's on Cade a little bit for missing some throws that he probably could and should make. But overall, the things they have said about him have not have not come to fruition on the field. And I, I just think that hoping that it works out and they can get it figured out tomorrow for the first time in that setting is a tall, tall task. That's that's what I think. Chris, what was your what was your score? You you were we're all of us, all four of us were really close. It was like I I've got it 31-24. Okay, but I yes. but I but I expect it to be more like thirty one seventeen, you know, like like that type of gap. I expect Michigan to make it a little bit That's closer at the end. Right? Yeah, but but here's the thing: like, I I don't feel bad for making that prediction because, and we talked, you know, we we had a long car ride to talk about a lot of stuff on the way up. So, um, yeah, but you, you know, in the preseason, I picked Michigan to go nine and four, and a lot of people that I, I interacted. Yeah, or I'm sorry, nine and three. And a lot of people that I interacted with thought that that was like overly optimistic, that there was no way that they were going to get to that. And even with all of that optimism, this was one of the games that I expected Michigan to lose for those. Like, forget about anything that we've seen on the field so far. It was the fact that it was the first time Cade was going to be going into a tough environment. We know what Madison's like, and we know what Michigan's track record in Madison is like. And so with all of those things, the coaching staff, you know, relatively young players out there, it just didn't seem like it was going to be good things for Michigan. But when you add into that, the fact that Michigan's, you know, they flex their muscle the most in the rushing game. And the thing that Wisconsin does the best is completely shut that down. Anybody that, that looks at tomorrow and says, you know what, this is Michigan's got like, you're just, I don't know what you're basing that on. If, mm -hmm. if you're strictly basing that on the fact that Wisconsin is one and two, you got to look a little bit deeper at this thing because the way it sets up, like the recipe of this game, it, again, recipe for disaster. If, if, this game fits that bill probably better than anything I can remember in recent history as a Michigan fan. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> I'm really anxious to watch it because I think, you know, we talked about it. A win is huge and a loss is huge. Both outcomes are huge for the narrative of Michigan season for the overall narrative of Jim Harbaugh's career as the head coach. I just think yeah. both of them, you asked me earlier, which one's bigger. And I think because a win would be a change that would be bigger, but they're, they're both 
they're both going to be a really big. Uh, they're going to they're they're both going to have a really big impact on what's talked about. What's what the view right. of this team is. What the view of Jim Harbaugh is. What the view of his future is. Like all of those things are going to be impacted by the outcome tomorrow, no matter what it is, if it's a win or a loss. But yeah, I mean, th- this is something I've seen thrown around a lot too. Like it doesn't seem like either offense is going to be able to do much. Graham Mertz has been a turnover right. machine. I mean, again, last week he threw four. Two of them were incredible plays by the Notre Dame DBs. One of them was a tipped ball that went right to a linebacker. It wasn't his fault. And one of them was really bad. It was late. It was outside. and it, or I'm sorry. It was late. It was inside on a deep out. And the DB just walked right in front of it. And it was like a walk-in touchdown. So I, let me, you know, okay. Let me ask you this question. If, if you're going to, if you're, um, if you're Paul Christ, where are you going to attack this Michigan defense? What are you going to do? Um, that's a good question. There's I know what really, I'm doing. I mean, I'm, really, I'm, I'm testing the corners. I'm going to test the corners, yes, but there hasn't been a glaring weakness on this defense. So it's not it's not like it felt last year where you just send guys deep and throw it up and you, yeah. you got high on a one-on-one island. I mean, Mike McDonald has sprinkled zone in enough. You're doing a lot with Dax Hill. Aiden Hutchinson's getting pressure. I mean, like, there's not a glaring weakness, but yes, I'm going to try to test those corners, see if Jamon Green can cover, see if Vincent right. Gray can cover, and – Wisconsin's got a couple of good receivers out there. Danny Davis and Pryor, I can't remember his first name. They, they've got some speed. They've got some length. They can go up and make a tough catch. They've got some some moves after the catch. Like They've got some talent there. And Chesma Lucy, the running back who came from Clemson, I was telling you today, this today, Chris, like uh, Chesma Lucy and Sammy Faustin were high school teammates. Yeah. I went down to see Sammy Faustin at Naples High School in Florida, and I was like, this, this Malusi kid is a stud, man. He's a star. Went to Clemson, didn't work out, goes to Wisconsin, and he hasn't been like the typical Wisconsin bell cow running back, but he's got some speed, he's got some wiggle, and he can make some things happen too. So I, I know they're one and two. I know they got their doors blown off by Notre Dame late. Like I said, they right. were. that's crazy that the final score of that game was 41-13 to because Wisconsin was up 13-10 to in the fourth quarter. That's bananas. That's that doesn't happen. Two pick sixes and a kick return in the same quarter will do that, but – it's still Wisconsin. They're still at home. They're still going to run the ball. They're still going to play defense. They're still going to play smart football. And, that's, and, been the biggest, and, that's been the biggest thing is how much they've turned it over. If they can right. cut that down even a little bit, they're going to be so much better than they've been against Wisconsin, against Notre Dame and Penn State, that Michigan's really going to have to figure some stuff out. And they've got a lot to play for. The, a like, lot. Like, like you talk about how big of a game tomorrow is for Jim Harbaugh and for Michigan. It's a huge game for Wisconsin. If they're going to yeah. salvage this season and, and make anything of it, they it, it starts tomorrow for them. So I think the environment's going to be rocking. I think they are going to be hyped for that game. And like I, I wrote an article about this the other day, you know, I think they're going to be pissed off about the way things looked against Notre Dame because you're, you know, you're right. It was, it was closer than that score indicates things came apart at the end. They can, they can write a lot of wrongs, you know, both teams, both programs can can do a lot this weekend, and so, man, I'm 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 just excited to see it. Yeah, I mean, the loss to Notre Dame sucked for them. It looked really bad, but like at the end of the day, they can still do everything they want to do pretty much in the Big Ten. Right, so right. like they've got a lot to play for. They're gonna need. They're gonna come in tomorrow knowing they need that one. It's on their home field, back in front of the Badger faithful. Tough, tough task for Michigan, I think. Let's do over-unders. Let's get into them a little bit, our over-unders for this game tomorrow, and then we will wrap up with – what are we wrapping up with? 
little quarterback know. controversy. Do I look like I know? Oh, Jesus. We do have a quarterback controversy. Mm-hmm. Don't we? Mm-hmm. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. All right, I'm going to start because we're only doing five total. We're a little late here tonight. We've uh, we shifted these back. No, we shifted back the Wisconsin in-depth di- uh, preview that we just talked about. So we're going to do these over-unders. I've got three. Chris has got two. First off, I said, Chris, don't touch Cade McNamara. I'll take him because I know we're both thinking about it. So I'm going to set the number at Cade McNamara, 24 and a half pass attempts. 24 and a half. Would outdo his average by 12 if he hit that. It would almost, it was essentially, almost it would double, essentially yeah. his average. I'm hammering the under. Hammering the under. And and if he gets anywhere near that, I will be satisfied. But I I don't even think he gets over twenty. So I'll I'll take really. That. What are they gonna do? I think they're gonna just keep hammering away. New question: More Cade McNamara throws or Brad Robbins punts? <laughs> well, I'll give I'll give McNamara the that you had to kind of think about it was like I did. That that should, that should tell you something. I did. Goodness gracious! I think it's. Good God, dude. It's got to be over. Can it be over? Please just freaking try it. Just see if you can get those fast attempts, not completions. Just attempts. attempts. Yes. Try Try to try to try to do something new. The run up the middle, the the zone, you know, the the two gaps, the the guard center guard, maybe off tap. That's not going to work against Wisconsin. Get on the edge, get outside, jet sweep, stones, bubble screens, tunnel screens, deep shots, crossers, seams. Slants, do something, man. Throw the ball a lot, please. Throw it a lot. Because I think if you run it a lot, you're going to lose. So why not try something else and see if maybe it's a little different? I don't know. All right, that's what I'm thinking. I think it's going to be over because I just don't think there's any way all of those football dudes sitting in one room can look at everything that we're looking at and say, we don't need to throw it this week. There's no way they think that. If they do, it it is incompetence at the highest level. So, so what are you saying? What do they need to do? Throw the ball, mix it up, different plays. Not, it's not football is not that hard of a sport to figure out. I'm sorry, it's just that, not. that plays well as as usual. That plays well into my question for you here, Brandon. So, we haven't had a Michigan receiver go over three receptions in a game so far on the year. I've got a really bad echo in my ear. So, if you hear that me delaying in my speech, that's why. Do we, on Saturday, see a Michigan, Michigan go over goal three goal receptions, receptions in a game? I'm going to set the over-under at three and a half. Yes. Yes, somebody will catch Somebody in that game in a winged helmet will catch at least four balls. Got to happen. Wow. If I think the over is going to be 24 and a half throws, then somebody better catch four of them. For good, for God's sake, catch four balls. It's insane that that is the high water mark, and it's like I don't know if they can do it. I'm gonna that's, go under until I see. That's absurd. Yeah, until I see them going under. I think they I think have, they to, have go to go over to win, to win, but I think they, but go, I think under. they go under. Man. All right. On the flip side, we know they want to get there. Are they gonna get there? Michigan, a hundred point five rushing yards. So essentially, are they gonna hit the century mark or not? I do. I do think after not popping off last week, I think they get a couple of big runs out of Blake Corum and Son Haskins this weekend. So I do think they get there. In fact, I think one of the two, Corum or Haskins, individually goes over 100 yards. Whoa. Yeah. 
You think one of Michigan's running backs, after what we saw against Rutgers, is going to go over? It's going to run for more than Wisconsin's given up all season by a lot. I believe they're going to run the ball seventy-five, 75 times. times. So, so seventy-five times? There's no way. That's way too many plays. No, you get the idea, though. Man, I, I, you know, you sprinkle in a couple of big poppers there. And again, it, 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 it's not like he's going to be just hammering away at the defense. Yeah, big poppers. You know, a couple, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Big poppers. All right, you got one more. I got one more. Let's get him. It's my turn. Yep, it is. Ooh, this is a good one. I felt like this was a good one. I thought of it when I was in the bathroom. So, do you think a team is going to score early and then it's just going to kind of be that kind of game where a team takes the lead early and, and, and that's sort of it? Or do we see some lead changes? So, I've got lead changes set at one and a half. It's hmm. an interesting question. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, do we see Wisconsin go up ten nothing early, and then Michigan never catches up, or do we see a bad? You said one, you said one and a half. You're one echoing this. Right? You might want to unplug or plug while I'm while I'm talking here. Um, yeah, I'll say over. I'll say over on that. I think it is. I think it is going to be a pretty close back and forth. I mean, I, I can see Michigan going down. I mean, look. Do you, I guess technically you have to count the if Michigan goes down field goal, Wisconsin goes down touchdown. That's two lead changes, right? You start at zero zero. Do you count that first one as a lead change, or is that not? Count? I don't think so. No, I don't think it counts. But even so, I mean, they trade they trade blows twice. Then then you, you're there. You know, you three, seven, ten. There, there's your two lead changes. I think that's very realistic in a game. In what I think the game's going to look like tomorrow. So. I'll say over. That's an interesting one, though. Try to think about the game flow and the script and how it all goes. Yeah. That's something that you haven't done a lot of. But I like that. I like that question. My hope is over. My fear is under. <laughs> yeah, Wisconsin gets up ten nothing or something, and that's where it stays the whole day. Or yeah, and we're just we're trying to claw our way back for the rest of the afternoon. All right, last one, and this one is on the books for anybody out there who's actually, uh, you know in the game in the business of gambling and putting some money up the over under is set at 43 and a half points total for the game based on your prediction they're going over that right yeah right 30 what 31 14 yeah over no you're at 31 20 or 31 24 31 24 yes yeah yeah you're way over i have them over by a hair i have them at 44 total points 24 to 20. So I guess by that metric, I will take the over, even though it does sound like a lot of points for these two teams. So yeah. I'm, uh, uh, I, I, I like my score though. I like 24, 20. It feels doable. It feels realistic. But then when I, when I see the overall number written as 43 and a half, I'm like, God, I don't know if these two teams can get there. So I'll stick with the over. That's where I predicted. That's where I'm sitting at. So that's what I'll go with. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a grinder. I think it's going to be back and forth. I think uh, Wisconsin has a little more than Michigan on their home on their home field. At the end of the day, are right, are we going into? Are we? It could be a grinder unless there's a certain outcome that happens, which I think we're going to go into. I'm going to dip out. I'm going to let you keep talking. I'm going to come back in in a minute here to get rid of this echo. Okay. Well, 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 it's just me and my fellow <laughs> viewers here settling in for a little fireside chat in the hotel room. 
Uh, <laughs> no. So Chris and I, we did. We had a long drive up, obviously a little over six hours to get to the Madison area. And we're both really excited about the game tomorrow. But as we've talked about, man, we've both gone back and forth on what we think this game is going to look like. I think maybe, I don't know. I think earlier in the week, I was like, yes, I just feel like Wisconsin's going to be too much and they're going to win. And then we got a write-up from John McNamara, who covers Mich- or co- who covers Wisconsin for Rivals and has been doing so for a really long time. He gave his prediction, and he picked Wisconsin to lose, which really made me think, like, damn, even someone who's been covering the team for that long and knows exactly what this team is made of and knows exactly what this team wants to do and is capable of, he's even picking them to lose on their home field. And then I've just, I've just been consuming and reading and listening and watching, and I think, honestly, what changed it for me or what what gave me the the final call my final answer if you will was i put on i put on the Notre Dame and Wisconsin game and watched it and uh, again that that final score is one of the craziest things i've ever seen for how close that game truly was in the fourth quarter with i was just into the fourth quarter i think there was like 14 minutes and some change left Wisconsin was up 13 to 10 they kick off chris tyree takes it back 98 yards 17 13 that's a big momentum play that's a big swing notre dame had a lot going on right there but that's still it's a four point game in the fourth quarter lots and lots of time left you know it was in chicago so it wasn't like you know the notre dame faithful was going crazy they both had a lot of fans there and then the wheels just fell off for Graham Mertz. And he threw, like I said, two of the interceptions weren't what I would call bad throws. They were just really, really good plays by the Notre Dame DBs. One of the picks was absolutely horrendous, but it was kind of in like a, a desperation situation. He threw a deep out. He threw it late. And he threw it inside. DB stepped in front of it, walk-in, touchdown. And then the, the last pick six was hit his receiver right in the hands and it popped up in the air and got caught by a linebacker. So I remember watching Graham Mertz as a as a recruit. Michigan wanted him pretty bad. A lot of teams wanted him pretty bad. He goes to Wisconsin. Everybody who was a Michigan fan thought, great, here's this kid. He's going to be so good, so efficient, never turn the ball over, just make timely throws. And he's been like the opposite of that this year. So I think he I think he is going to kind of regress back to the mean a little bit and turn the ball over a little less, make a little bit more make a little bit better decisions, make some bigger plays at home, comfortable there. Again, they need it more than anything. I think Graham Mertz is better than what he's shown, and I think it might show up that way tomorrow. Now, if he comes out and has another outing and turns the ball over a whole bunch, then it's going to be really hard for them to win against a team like Michigan who can do a lot of things well. So that, that's that's what ultimately did it for me was watching the watching the – the, the the key plays from that Notre Dame-Wisconsin game and looking at it saying, okay, these throws weren't entirely on Graham Mertz just being bad. And the way the momentum shifted in the fourth quarter was something that I don't know if I've ever seen before, like in that big of a in that big of a shift. Like to be up 13 to 10 very early in the fourth quarter and lose 41 to 13 is crazy. So I, I think I think they're better than what they've shown, but again, they lost to two good teams. They're they're back at home. Michigan's still figuring some stuff out. The second half last week, God, that was a whistle. The second half last week against Rutgers just doesn't leave me with a lot of confidence. Chris is back. I think he's I'm back. He's obviously hearing what I'm saying because we're sitting in the same room. Um, Do I sound okay? Look here. This is. I wanted to bring something up. I'm 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 gonna I wanted to bring something of this up. 
there seems to be a lot of people who think this is going to be like an I told you so situation. Caleb on the Facebook page says if, if Michigan wins, these two are going to have so no stupid. idea what to talk about. <laughs> Dude, I'm not talking smack. I'm looking at this game with two teams that are getting ready to play against each other and giving you exactly what I think is going to happen. Like I, I picked Michigan it's to so win every year by a lot of points. How, how, how exactly? No, I, I have an honest question. How exactly is anything we've said here talking smack about this team? It's, it's legitimate based on it's what you've seen, based on track record, based on experience, talking about the game of football. Like, look, I think sometimes people like they, they get on sites like this. And they sometimes get confused, like if it's a fan site or whatever, like tech, like we don't get paid to be like, we're not paid cheerleaders. Like the, the job is to really just kind of give an honest assessment of what you see. And it's not about hating or talking smack. Like you guys see the same thing that we see. And the only difference in the way that people talk about it is just whatever type of spin you try to put on it. And for me, I just doesn't feel good to try to filter it in a way that makes it seem rosy. Like if the offense sucks, the offense sucks. If it needs to be better, it needs to be better. I think this team could be really good. I think Cade McNamara could be really good. I think the offensive passing game could be really good. But until we see it, I'm entirely justified to have doubts about it because show me one time in the hardball era that you have seen this offense live up to its full capability. Show me one time, show me one time you've seen that magic playbook come out. <laughs> show, <laughs> just show playbook. me one time, show me one, give me one instance. It's not there. So it's not, no, it's not talking smack. It's, it's an honest assessment of what you're seeing. And, and some people struggle to, you know, to take that information that way. Chris Breiler. Was dog. that a rant? That was a little mini rant. A little oh bit of God. a rant, right there. but no, that that that's the thing. Like, and I'll, six hour road trip will do that to you. I'm going to tell you right now: if Michigan loses, I'm not going to come on here and point and say, "Ha ha, I told you so." Like, that's not. I just think, based on what I've seen, based on everything that's about to play out tomorrow, that's the most likely outcome. And guess what? That's the that's how Vegas sees it right now too. Like, it's close. Two points is basically a toss up game. But right. an underdog well, is an underdog. I mean, I, I think there's know, there's some know, people man. in the comments here that are right. Like, don't we want to be wrong? It's not like we want to see this I happen. I, I just think that's what's I, I, like. Here's here's the example I use. Right, like this is my first time covering the football team. You know, covered it a little bit last year, but covering the basketball team and the success that Juwan Howard and and that team had, it is so much more enjoyable to do this profession when the team is kicking ass and the team is rocking and things are going well and the fan base is happy and, and everybody is just kumbaya. So we want that to happen, but it's also totally disingenuous for us to come up here and kind of feed you this idea that there is something else in the tank that Michigan's going to bring out on Saturday when we've seen nothing to suggest that so far. So, you know, there's plenty of places where you can get that kind of thing. It's just that we're not really good at that. Yeah. I, I just, I just look at Brandon. You, He's an asshole. He's not good at blowing smoke. I just tell you what I think and what I see. And I really dick. try not to get like bias in there. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just, I have no, look, I have no problem picking Michigan to win when I think they're really going to win. Like that's really easy to do. And honestly, just as easy is picking them to lose when I think they're going to lose. Like I just, yeah look at the football and I look at what I've seen and I add up all those things and I come to a conclusion. Like I said, preseason, I had Washington circled as a loss. 
after watching both teams in a week one game and then talking to someone who covers Washington on a daily basis and then looking at the way things were playing out, I changed my mind and I picked Michigan to win. And they did by 21, way more than most people thought. So I, that's just that's just what I do. It, dude, if Michigan goes into Camp Randall tomorrow and wins the game, I'm going to come back on Saturday and Monday and talk about what they did to win the game. It's not going to be like, well, the reason they won was because of this, even though I thought it was going to be something else. Like, I'm not, I, there's no excuses to make. You just talk about what is going on. That's, that's really all it ever is. And so that's why it's, it's so weird when there's like a loudmouth group of 10, it's all the same. Person. And, and I don't know. And I don't know that that was what that specific, but we, I don't remember that, that individual's name, but we do see. He had, a, he had an LOL on there. I think he was yeah, being like, we, but, but, it, but you know, but we, we hear that a lot. See, yeah. We hear that a lot and it's weird. Um, yeah, Caleb, it, it's weird. Uh, I don't know because it's like, like when we were in the press box on Saturday and we were watching what was happening against Rutgers, the way that some people came out after the game and talked about how it was a gritty win or how there was, you know, you, you heard some of these narratives coming out of like the locker room about how people felt after the game. And I can tell you, like, it just didn't feel that way in the stadium. Like there was a legit mm-hmm. concern that you were about to watch this team collapse, you know? So I don't think that, man, we all saw the same thing, but for some odd reason, some people came out of Saturday's game against Rutgers, like, yeah, it was gritty and it showed hard and it showed like, I walked away concerned. Like, does that make me an asshole? I don't know. Maybe, but I, that, that was what I took from Saturday was yikes. What's going on with our passing game? All right, Not, like well, I didn't, I didn't see it as a feel good story. On that note, what is going on with the passing game? Ooh. We're going to find out tomorrow and I'm wondering is it going to be all Kate or is there going to be uh is there going to be a JJ McCarthy sighting because I feel like some people automatically <laughs> I mean this is not this is not unique to Michigan this is not unique to this to this year the backup quarterback is always everybody's favorite player like let's see the backup let's see what he's what he can do like unless you have Trevor Lawrence or you know Tua Tagovailoa or Justin Fields or Jalen Hurts like everybody wants to see the backup quarterback. It's been like two or three weeks and Oklahoma fans are already calling for Spencer Rattler to be benched. He was the Heisman favorite to start the year. Like this is not unique to Michigan. This is not unique to this year. It's not unique to JJ and Kate, but there are some, there are some things that you can say and think about and talk about when it comes to comparing the two. JJ has the live, the more live arm. He's a better athlete when it comes to running the ball and keeping it on zone reads. He is a freshman. He's only been there for what are we going eight months? Um, but we've seen some of the, we've seen some of the flash and some of the wow that made him a very highly rated recruit and why you can understand why people are excited. But my big thing is. I don't think you put JJ McCarthy in and suddenly that the the approach changes. Like, you know, maybe in those 15 throws, you get some more explosive plays. And instead of going nine for 15, you go 12 for 15. And one of them's 45 yards instead of the longest one being 16 yards. I mean, like there are some ways to talk yourself through the idea of JJ playing and why it might be a a good idea. Man, I don't know if on the road at Camp Randall's the first time you want to try to roll that, roll those dice. I don't know. It's it's a lot to ask of a true freshman. I know JJ's wired a certain way. He's a winner. He's confident. He's won at every level he's been at. But that's a different animal. I I'll just ask it to you this way first, Chris, and you can give some discussion however you want. Do we see JJ McCarthy play in the game tomorrow? Uh, I I don't think so. 
I don't think so because I think I think Michigan loses the game, but I think that they they continue to fight, and I think that you know Harbaugh keeps fighting it out with Cade McNamara, but. You know, I, I'm not – listen, I, I was advocating for J.J. McCarthy before the season even started for a lot of the reasons I'm going to name or, or say right now, which is I didn't think Michigan was a legitimate Big Ten title contender with Cade McNamara. That's I'm not trying – that's not a knock on Cade McNamara. I just didn't see Michigan getting over the Ohio State hump with him as the quarterback just based on the limited, you know, reps we had seen out of him. And so for my money, it was – roll with the young guy, get him the experience now, and it's going to pay dividends in the future. Well, you know, now you're going into Madison, you're, you're heading into week five. You don't know what kind of quarterback you have in Cade McNamara. And there's still the discussion about you've got this weapon on the sideline. Who's like, he's young, he's inexperienced, but he's just got that certain something that can change a football team. And I think you've seen enough out of Cade McNamara to either to know what he is and what he isn't. And if I'm wrong in that and we haven't, then wow, why the hell not? You know, why haven't we seen more out of him? So that's kind of where I'm at. Do we see JJ? I don't think we do because unfortunately I think, I think Harbaugh is going to, you know, he's going to ride or die with Kate. And I think that's what the first four weeks basically said about where this football team is going is that my guy is Kate. Yeah. I don't think, so I don't think the games I don't think Wisconsin's good enough this year to make this to put this game out of reach. So I think because the game is going to be within reach, either direction, right. either Michigan's up by a little bit or Wisconsin's up by a little bit, you're not making a change at quarterback when you're in when you're in it. I that's just really that's just really atypical. It doesn't happen. Even if the offense isn't working very good, if you're within a possession, like I just don't know why you switch quarterbacks at that point. Even if you think it would be better, even if you think there's a chance it might be more explosive, I just don't think Jim Harbaugh doesn't do anything against the traditional norm of football. And benching your quarterback when you're within striking distance is certainly against the norm of traditional football. Yeah. And I just don't think he's going to do that. If if somehow the game does get really ugly. I just don't think Wisconsin's good enough to do that. I don't think they can score enough points to do that. But if it does, then I think maybe you do see JJ, but I, I just don't think that's going to happen. But if that happens, do you go back? Do you, I mean, it, even if it's because it's ugly and the game is completely out of hand and you go to JJ at that point, what justification do you have to go back to Kate after that? You don't, no, 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 no. He's done. So that's it. So, so, so even in a, even in a blowout loss where JJ doesn't come in and there's no heroics, he doesn't save the day. Michigan still takes a big fat L and maybe JJ walks away with like a few attempts, you know, on garbage time. If, if that's the way it goes down, you think that's it for K. I I don't know how you can, like, if it gets to a point tomorrow where Wisconsin is up by a lot of points, it looks, it's going to be, that's going to mean to me that it's another very subpar day by Cade and they couldn't get the offense going. He couldn't push the ball down the field. He couldn't move it. What, do, what are you doing at that point? Like, what, right. I mean, that's your first team with a pulse. I don't even put like, I don't even put Rutgers in the pulse category yet. They're better, but they don't have a lot of talent. And like, I don't think, I don't know. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. I don't think Rutgers is going to finish the year with a very good, a very good record. I, yeah. I mean, like who are they going to beat throughout the whole big 10? It's a, a tough couple, stretch. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I just, you know, so man, it's it's quite a discussion because we really haven't seen a whole lot of JJ, and there's a reason why he wasn't the starter to come. I mean, if you if you had a choice in the matter right now, what do you do? What what would you do? 
I mean, you're, you know, the same, same exact scenario, you're Jim Harbaugh. Let's, I mean, this is hypothetically speaking, but you obviously you're Jim Harbaugh. It's Friday night. You're thinking about JJ McCarthy, Cade McNamara, what's happened so far in this season. Do, is there even, is it even within the realm of possibility to roll the dice on McNamara? Like, would you, well, can, me, can you even do it at this point? Let me ask you this. Have I been Jim Harbaugh all year? Because shit's a lot different right now. If I have been. <laughs> well, no. If it's the exact situation we're in right now, I'm going with Kate. You cannot, you yeah. cannot ask JJ to be that guy tomorrow for the first time yeah. ever. You can't. Even though I think JJ would relish in it and want it, embrace it. I think he's that kind of. He's got that mental makeup. I still don't think it's. You know, we've we've seen situations. I mean, we saw what happened to Dylan McCaffrey. You know, when mm -hmm. he came in and tried to make a play happen and got his head taken off in in Cam Brandle. So. It's just not the type of environment you want to put a young, inexperienced quarterback in. And and unfortunately, even the starting quarterback, like I saw somebody say, you know, I think his name was uh, Nathan in the comments, um, that, you know, Cade was the most experienced quarterback. Well, that may be true, but Cade has never played in a true road environment in college football. He's, he's never been that guy. So he doesn't really have all that much experience in, in what he's going to face tomorrow. And so, yeah. There's some questions about his experience too, or lack thereof. He's he's got five starts, but he hasn't played in five complete games because he got knocked out of right. one last year, and he got knocked out, or he did not. He didn't play in one this year because he was done at halftime. So he's got like four games of playing in home environments or empty stadiums. Yeah. That's it. Camp that, Randall is I mean, different. That is that is like a living organism around you that's just loud. So yeah. I've heard. We'll find out tomorrow. Definitely warms the cockles of the heart. It does not, <laughs> Jim. It does not. None of this warms the cockles of your heart. Um, I just man, like I, I, I like I like the mental makeup of JJ. I'd, I'd really like to see, like I told you before, the way I'd like to romanticize things is that he comes in, Michigan's dead in the water. He rescues them in Madison, gets the first win. He wasn't even born the last time it happened. Yeah. Right. Dude. And he, and, and, and that's the start of the McCarthy era, but uh, I don't know, let man. Me, let me ask you this quick. Cause I see Nathan throwing it up there and it's been talked about a lot. Michigan, the only school in the entire country without a turnover. How much, how much weight do you put on this? Cade not having thrown a pick yet. I, I haven't I thrown an I interception. I haven't thrown one all year either, but I haven't played the game. <laughs> and so the, the point being like, if you're not like, I would much rather have a high risk, high reward offense where Cade's forcing the ball down the field, constantly attacking, constantly putting pressure on the secondary, maybe throwing some picks along the way, right. but, but always having a defense on the heels. I would rather have that than this conservative. We don't turn the ball over, but yeah, you don't throw the damn ball either. So that's why. So I was going to say like, I'm, that's a great, it's a good stat. I like it. Cade has awesome. not made dumb decisions, but like how many times has he really had a chance where there's even like a defender around? He's only thrown the ball 39 times or whatever it is. I don't even know what the number right. is at this point. It might be just over 40, but there, I like an know, aggressive point guard. I don't I do want too. the facilitator. So everybody else do your thing. I want a guy attacking the rim. Well, there you have it. We're almost an hour in anyway, Chris. We said we were going to keep it short and sweet. We can't do it. We just are. We just have too much to say. We do. But I like what we said. We'll be back live from Camp Randall tomorrow, immediately following the game. Win Go blue. Or and we'll be talking about whatever we see, whatever happens. And I'm excited. I'm excited to roll into Madison and get to that stadium and see what it's all about. And we're going to see what happens. And we're going to have plenty to talk about tomorrow and then Monday. Thanks for listening, everybody.